We live in a moment where dance might seem unimportant or unnecessary. However, I am going to make every possible effort to highlight dance as a key contributor to the evolution of human consciousness. For those of you who are dancers or dance lovers, you know the physical, mental, emotional and spiritual transcendence of dancing and watching dance and how all that influences who we are today. My name is Jorge Crecis. I am a choreographer, lecturer, author, and coach. For the last 23 years, I have been investigating how I could help others how to facilitate those states of consciousness associated to peak performance and flow. In this third season of Towards Vivencia in Conversation With, I am tackling head-on what really interests me. How dance practices can help us, even if it's just in a minuscule way, to evolve as a more conscious species. And given the circumstances, given the state of the world, that's a big task. Therefore, I am not going to try to do it alone. I am inviting world-class dance makers, performers, scientists, scholars, and philosophers in order to deconstruct and speculate if and how dance can be a vehicle to develop human consciousness. If and how, we'll see. Hello, beautiful people, and welcome to the second episode of Towards Vivencia in Conversation With. Today, with Julia Roubaix and Rudy Cole. This is definitely the most contrasting episode yet. I approach this conversation from a place of curiosity, openness, acceptance of different realities, and above all, respect and admiration for the people I am talking to. People that at the end are dedicating their careers their resources and their efforts to one clear endeavor. I love this chance to build this podcast as a place where I get to know people from different backgrounds and different approaches. So why contrasting? Because in this case, after listening to the episode a few times, I realized that the goals that humanhood and towards vivencia pursue are very similar, while our paths to get there might seem extremely different. But as the say goes, all paths lead to Rome. So I personally might not always share their pathway or even understand the tools of our guests. But this is not about me. I'm hoping that you, our listeners, will get as much information as possible from this and any other episode. I hope the next few minutes will allow you to dive deeper into Julia and Rudy's practices. Expand your knowledge of how different artists work on human consciousness. Then decide what are the tools and approaches that work best for you. We have an entire season of sharing with you many more of those approaches. After this and any other episode, we will be looking forward to hearing your comments. In this episode, we talk about how they could not find any mentor or teacher that connected the mind and the body and how they solved that problem. We talk about victimism in the dance industry, new thought movement and mysticism foundations of the humanhood work, paralyzing fears and how Julia and Rudy overcame them, their daily practice, what are the foundations of their programs for their participants to be able to transform themselves, and finally, we talk about the financial scarcity blueprint in the dance industry and how Julia and Rudy also overcame it. 
after this conversation, I had so many more doubts uh, about what is the separation between us adopting different practices uh, that we learn in our travels from other teachers and what's the difference between that and cultural appropriation. What is the depth that we dance artists, especially us, those who are working around the theme of consciousness, have with our communities and the future of dance? So many other questions, so I'm really hoping to have the chance to record a second episode with Humanhood in the near future. Also, right after the conversation, don't go away. Here is what Bridget has also prepared for you. I'm going to take you through a brief summary of the episode that you just heard, as well as offer you an exercise at the end of the episode that takes all of the juicy bits of this episode and offers you a tangible way to integrate them into your lives to help you train your consciousness and to train presence. That will be the last 10 minutes of this episode, and this one is very pragmatic and useful. I guarantee you that. Before I properly introduce our guest, here you have a few words from our sponsors. This third season of Towards Vivencia in Conversation With is supported by not one, but two platforms that maximize the power of the world wide web and serve dancers and choreographers from all over the world. This season is brought to you by Choreography Online, the online platform designed for choreographers to build an international name and generate income at the same time. The first time I was introduced to the idea, I thought, oh, this is genius. Choreographers have to upload one video of the entire piece and one video of themselves or their assistant explaining the choreography, counts, intentions, etc. And that's it, very simple. Anywhere in the world, your choreography can be purchased, learned and performed for however long you would like to license it. A step up your choreographic career with Choreography Online. Visit choreography.online. Very simple. On a recent trip to LA, I connected with Gracie and Laura. I know Gracie from way back, but when I got to know what they are up to, I became a true fan and I knew that what they were doing to spread the knowledge about floor work technique is very special. Ground Grooves TV is a virtual studio to expand your floor work practice from anywhere. Explore an ever-expanding library of floor work classes for all levels. Fitness classes to build strength, stamina and flexibility. Foundation videos to deepen your understanding of mechanics and details. And concept videos to expand your artistry. Start your 7-day free trial by visiting groundgrooves.tv and receive your personalized training program. I know Julia and Rudy from way, way back. Around five years ago, they started what today is their life project, Humanhood. At the beginning, I followed their work quite closely, and I even collaborated briefly with them in 2018, when they invited me to be the rehearsal director for one show they had at Sadler's Wells of their duet, Zero. During those two weeks working together, I had the chance to get to know them in a deeper way, both personally and artistically. And right then, I knew their way of moving, their interest in embodying consciousness and bringing together science and mysticism had a lot of potentials. Unfortunately, over the last four years, I lost track of what they were up to directly and I didn't know very much of 
how that potential was being realized, although they were always mentioned in one way or another by people around me. I always crave to have a deeper, longer conversation with them. So today is the time. Today is the opportunity to bridge that gap and see what they are up to. Without further ado, Julia and Rudy, thank you so much for agreeing to be part of this uh, Towards Vivencia in conversation with. Thank you for the invitation. Yes, Jorge. Amazing to have this continued journey together. Well, let's start the journey then. I am going to jump right in. And I know the word consciousness is very buzzing at the moment. And it's very well used and misused these days and forever, probably. So I'm going to just jump right in and acknowledging that no one has an answer that we still have to try to define. And there's many definitions about what is human consciousness. I really would like to know what you think about it. What do you understand by human consciousness? And probably most importantly, why do you think it's important to work on the development and evolution of human consciousness? Mm, beautiful. Um, I'll start with the, from the second one, from the second question is that for us, we have seen such a big change in our lives since when we started all this conscious development of who we were and what we were thinking, what we were feeling, what we were acting as. And there's so much going on, especially in, in the dance industry. You know, there are some thoughts that are contagious and some ways of, of doing and being that are also contagious and you don't really question them. And so what happens is that you, you arrive into that moment where you feel like a bit like a, a victim and you start complaining about the system and everything around you. And what we have found out that is most powerful and it has affected our lives the most positively is that the outside is a reflection of your inside. And so the more you grow your consciousness of your own power, not as a victim, but, but as a creator of your reality, the more you actually have a deliberate choice in what you create in your life. And so for us, it was sort of growing from the stage out into the street, if you want to call it like that. So, you know, we were choreographers, creators, we were creating these beautiful productions on stage and we had these beautiful visions and images and downloads. And it was literally, we were making the invisible visible. I was going to bed and before falling asleep, I had all these visions and images and I was communicating them with Rudy and then we were making them reality on the stage and then we were like well everything we're learning on consciousness as well it is about that creating your own creating your own reality and so we started to apply the same in our lives so for me personally the more you grow in consciousness means that the more your consciousness becomes in a state of harmony with the whole so when you go from a place of the little me trying to fight everything around you to a place of I am here to serve a bigger purpose, then that's when you don't need to do anything. So if things just open up for your path to unfold. So if I understood that right uh, from what Julia was saying, um, there was a moment that through your dance practice, you were having this 
images, these visions, these downloads that later on you were also trying to put into the, um, the stage. I will ask you if that is the, the path, if I understood that right. Is there been always like this? Because, of course, in, in the whole history of humanity is this uh, report of uh, channels, of uh, visions, of visionaries, of, of, of mysticism. That is something that you talk about. So it's something that you had always, let me put it that way, that skill. Or it's something that suddenly appear. How you harness that? Did you have a mentor? Did you have any kind of like a path in order to harness that that skill? So the three questions would be, is the pathway a stage, a life, and then into a stage? Is something that you've always had or is something that suddenly one day appear? And how you harness that skill? Mm, beautiful question, yeah. Let's see how I can convey that to you and the listeners. And you know, I can't. I come from a family where there is a lot of um, of mysticism, sort of channeler. And I remember the other day we were having a, a lunch here at our place, and my auntie she was sort of channeling my my um, astral, you know, astral reading, and she was saying that I'm sort of like an artist medium, <laughs> artist channeler, no. Um, but the reason that I want to say that is because. Even when I was a child, I remember I was playing with my cousin and I was calling, I was in with my grandma and I was calling a number and I was making like, I was speaking to animals and I was believing them so much. I remember my other auntie saying to her daughter, I don't want you to be with Julie anymore because she's going to be crazy. So what I felt is like all that, all those visions and all that potential I started to project them into my artwork. So instead of like, you know, integrating them into my life, I started to use the stage as a TV, if you want, as a, as, you know, as a screen, as a, as a projection of everything that was coming through me. And that was very powerful because, you know, there was a beautiful artwork that was created. And it arrives a moment where it was like, is there something more? You know, is there something more to these things that we are envisioning more than the, than the artwork? And then that's when it went then from the stage back into the life, back into our life. And I feel like every time, like when I dance, there was one point where I started to connect something deeper that is not just the steps, the aesthetic, but it, it is the energy. I felt like super relaxed, super open. I felt like deep waves of gratitude. We had experiences in, you know, in Papua New Guinea, in Ecuador, in Taiwan, in India. And I couldn't, I couldn't anymore see dance only as, as a training or as a skill or as a technique. I had to see dance as, as a ritual, as a ritual of being. Yeah, and when we met, that's really what it was. We found that there was a ritual between the two of us, Julie and myself, were very much um, movement enthusiasts. That's what fused us together in that first moment. We realized each other's passion for movement and that discovery of just being in the moment. So we would also give ourselves massages at the end of sessions, just really focusing and honing in on the body. I remember Julia giving me a Reiki session also with my. Uh, foot, ankle, yes. the ankle, the, the next day gone, 
like just no sensation whatsoever. So that curiosity was always there in the beginning. And what happened was Julie was talking about this, um, this feeling of liberation in movement. When we decided to um, focus on our creative energies and fuse them into one creation, whether it would be a piece or just a way of moving, we found that we had to strip back a lot. We had to take away a lot of the um, aesthetics and a, a lot of the habits uh, styles. and the styles which were ingrained in our system. And don't get me wrong, we were also influenced by them at that moment. And I remember that we got to this really uneasy place where it's almost like we couldn't even move <laughs> without the other person just eyes locking in and feeling if that was the real energy of our our playfulness together and through that process it actually gave birth we we found that liberation that other way of moving that that part of expression and movement that we could relate to and that could actually come from within inside of ourselves and we could go yes that's the time that was the moment. And what you said, Jorge, about um, the mentorship, and is that the same thing that Ruth is saying about sort of taking away everything, unlearning things to really find something and to transcend, to transcend what we knew and what we had in our body, the same we had to do with our minds. So, you know, when you have a very powerful mind as well, you need to clear you need to clear the thoughts and the programs and the paradigms from you know society and your family and all this which sort of are are putting their own color in the visions that you're receiving and what you actually can do and how much consciousness you can tap into and so we had to do that and that was part of actually yeah working with um, mentors and studying there was a, a year and a half or two years especially during the COVID time we were waking up at 5 a.m and we were meditating and we were studying every day like hours of study of how our mind works the only thing we didn't find in a mentor is this relationship between the mind and the body and that's where we you know we sort of told ourselves maybe that's where you know where we come in and we bring this this embodiment to all this industry of consciousness and mentorship and personal development. And I guess from what you said that not having that mentor or that teacher that combined that body and that mind might be a quite lonely place at some points and therefore you had to taught yourself. So I'm wondering in concrete ways, first of all, if you are familiar with works like Varela or David Bohm, or in our craft, Josie Oida or Grotowski, that talks a lot about that, let's say, consciousness channeling through the body. Actually, uh, Grotowski talks about the, the art as an elevator uh, towards that, the ultimate art of work that he calls it. And if you didn't find that mind-body mentor, what is that particular thing, mentor, themes that you were studying at 5 a.m. when you were developing your psychic and things like that. So I would like to, to go into the concrete. Yes. So we were studying a lot um, the works of like Florence Sheen and Neville Goddard and Thomas Troward and um, Donald Neil Gouache and Bob Proctor and Abraham Hicks. Abraham Hicks and even Osho, Krishnamurti, um, Wallace D. Wallace. So these are a combination between um, Dr. Jody Spencer also, 
this is also a, everything is a combination of like the new thought movement so taking a lot from all these um ancient mysticism including coming from um religious across all the board but um also um very like like abraham hicks kind of new age uh, you know like uh, esther who channels abraham right this consciousness that speaks through her so we were studying a lot of these like literally studying who we were and how we were thinking feeling how we were acting we were studying ourselves we were studying who we were like how we were behaving and then we were also studying how could we change that like how how much we were conditioned by the way that you know we we were brought up and the way um, the industry was where we worked and how we could change that and we had to change our thoughts and our belief and you know like one of the I mean we were all in we were all, all in because when we find something where it's just we just commit to it and we were doing a lot of meditation and a lot of um the way that I find, like you said about, you know, having a supportive family, it's great. Sometimes I felt like, because I was brought up by my grandma and there was a lot of um, superstition and superstition sometimes can bring a lot of fear, right? Especially like in Spain, there's a lot of super, uh, superstition and it can bring a lot of fear, like, oof, because, you know, as there is good, there's also evil, right? But the the main the main breakthrough that I had for me is that actually there's no evil. Evil is just a separation from love. It doesn't exist by itself. And understanding that and saying yes to the belief and integrating this belief has allowed me to say, yes, I want to open myself to visions. I want to open myself to this other world. So yes, that's where we were studying. Very, very deep. I'm going to put a pause in here and I will go back to that idea of mentorship and training, which I'm very, very interested because... I, for once, believe that consciousness can and should be trained as a something very tangible in the same way that you almost can train um, the, the strength of your, of your legs or, or the speed of your muscles. But before I go into that, Rudy, I would like to ask you, were you familiar with this area of mysticism, with that uh, possibility of channeling visions from something that we do not understand yet or we don't have the words, or it took you a work to do by yourself because you were like Julia's cousin that is like, no, no, don't get close to her because she's crazy. And because I'm sure that you had that uh, situation with other people who were not only your cousin, Julia. So how was for you, Rudy? Um... I think always with with my mindset around the unseen, the curiosity, the playfulness, the the underworld, the imaginative world, the the mystical realm, the the magical realm, the fairy realm, the dragon realm, all of these things in in acquire a a discovery into the imagination and a liberation of the imagination. When I was growing up. I was very much left to my own devices. I always say I don't remember doing homework, and I think that's very much true, whether I just flashed through it or that it wasn't very present, but I was allowed for space in which my mind could just grasp concepts but quite easily let them go at the same time. And I found this as I was growing up and 
probably more aware of this again, sort of bringing in that sense of awareness that my imagination didn't stop. In fact, it just became more and more fruitful when we were taking these trips around the world, as Julia was saying, when we were, um, when we were investigating our own psyche with plant medicines or breath work or yogic practices or even Tai Chi and Qigong I'm practicing now, I'm finding that there's an actual openness to discover something which is unseen but which is within inside of ourselves, which is the imagination. The channeling, channeling element to it kind of felt, feels like quite warm and inviting actually because it's that element which isn't defined with inside of a, a code and the code being the educational system that I was that I was brought up in you know nine o'clock in the morning finish at 3 30 repeat the cycle a few weeks in between in the summertime so these other elements of thinking I actually embraced I was there as a young child again curious wanting to know more what's your feelings what's your sensations Julia doing the Reiki session on me and that was my first ever Reiki experience and then Julia telling me about the physical sensations that she'd received from actually doing the practices on me that was curious to me that element allowed it to open and open and I think because Julia was inclined in that way, and I was very much open to receiving that information. It created a beautiful symbiosis where Julia could really explain these elements and allow herself to really delve deep, as well as my end of like wanting to absorb it. I want to hear more about it and more about it. Well, and now like you're having like amazing like shamanic journeys, and mm. um, he's a shaman anyway, and. <laughs> um, yeah, which, you know, I, I don't go into the underworld and all this, but um, you're having all amazing transformations with uh, power animals and, and all this. So I think it's like we've found a deeper layers of who we are and we allow that to be. Yeah. I think another thing to testament to, to Julia's channeling is when we're in the studio and, you know, I'm, I very much like to know where the direction is going. So I can be very focused on uh, playing with the dancers, getting them to discover more about their own physicality and their way of integrating into movement. And this two ends of the spectrum is Julia's really looking at this, this energetic movement. How are the dancers coming in? Where are they coming and listening to that information that's taking us into the next round? So then there'll be moments where I'm kind of like, okay, I feel like, I, there's a pause now and then I'll just turn to Julia and be like what's next <laughs> and she'll be like I don't know and then she'll prepare something or she'll have something that's channeling through her and interestingly it's also been a great cue is that if I for whatever reason say no in that moment sort of straight away Julia uses it and she says well if it's a no it's a yes so let's go. That's the direction we're going in. So quite interestingly, it's not like I'm bringing up a barrier per se, but Julia's kind of switched and morphed it in our relationship as it's growing for any moment where I'm kind of like, I'm thinking, like I'm doing that rational mind thinking about the process. Julia's like, okay, if you're taking care of that, then that's definitely the right way to go. Let's just keep going in this mode so we can liberate this thinking element and really experience what what Julia, that impulse that's come through Julia. So it's, it's fascinating to, to experience it in the space. And still today, I don't know how the pieces are created. Like from the first day we step into the studio to the performance, like it's just one big blur of 
moving energy that's coming <laughs> to us. We have images, but then it's, it's, uh, this, there's a lot of like excitement and a lot of fear at the same time, you know, because like we have this big team, we have all these dancers in the studio, <laughs> we have this like big team of technicians and collaborators and producers and people that are expecting to see the work and all these like industry professionals and theater directors and it's like ah, what are we gonna do and then that's what julia does she just do it doesn't be? it doesn't become that element of thinking about the fear and kind of going in that direction but just realizing that is energy that's something that's coming to and through and how is it harnessed yeah. I want to thank you both uh, because over the last sentence, I realized something that I, I didn't have access to, let's put it that way. And it's been this vulnerability of this insecurity that, wow, we have all this team. What are we going to be doing? In your social media presence, in the copy that I've seen, in the interviews, you exude security, that confidence, that groundness. And that is something that I just realized that I was kind of like missing that vulnerability of sometimes I don't know what the hell is happening and I have fears. And so I really would like to, to delve into that. And right now I have to go back to many other things before that. But can you tell us a tiny bit more about the difficult moments for you over the last few years in terms of can I, can I not, insecurities? Uh, are we able to do this? Is that something that creeps in in your day? Because that's something that many of us lives with day in and day out but it's something that I didn't come across with you two in how you present yourself in a public eye so I would like to take the opportunity to explore if this is still part of you how you overcome it how do you deal with it yeah I mean this this thing of like we have to speak to you uh, this happened really like at the beginning of of infinite when we're creating that but it it is a moment it is a moment that you just realize everything that has been placed there you know for you to create something together and that's that's it's the beautiful moment of realization of how much responsibility you have and at the same time then it's letting that go and and then you know I remember telling ourselves great let's play the game starts let's play and so we we really like support each other in in making the fear excitement but we don't, we don't feel so much fear as a general as a general we don't feel so much fear we feel more like there's so much like driving us like i feel like we have such a big vision and the the most difficult moments like you were saying is the moments where we had to we had to let go of who we were at that moment so to put like clear clear details so you can understand for example so one was when we were um, performing outdoor works, Sfera and Orbis, and there was all these, you know, outdoors festivals that they were booking us and we were going there. And I remember it was in Sismograph and I was there and we were warming up to go out and I turned around and I told Rudy, we don't belong here anymore. Like we overgrown that. That's not where we need to be right now. Like, I feel we have a bigger call and now it's time to make that decision. Now, you know, when we said that to our producer and our team, they were like, are you crazy? Like, we're making a lot of money out of touring these two pieces outdoors and, you know, that just will support that. But of course, this is, you know, this is sort of the, the fear of 
sort of wanting to grab on what's working right now. And sometimes it's like you're climbing a mountain. If you don't let go of one grip, you know, you cannot go to the next one. And so sometimes for the fear not to letting go of what's safe, you wouldn't go beyond that. And so that was when we made the decision, okay, we're not performing anymore in these outdoors. And then even now we were teaching this workshop in, in uh, Italy and I love teaching workshops and, and I love seeing people really going in. And I mean, I, we transform a lot the way we teach workshops because now it is a lot about the energy and I will ask people to stand still and just feel and, and I'm feeling it so I can, you know, I can guiding, I can guide them into that feeling. But I felt like, I felt like we couldn't really give the transformation I wanted. It's, it's not enough only with three days, two hours a day, um, you know, sort of coming from the dance perspective. We want it to be a, a full transformation for everyone who wants to access the, the body as a portal for, for consciousness. And so we just turn around towards each other. And I told already, I think it's the same moment where, you know, we overgrown this, this life, this vision calls us to do something bigger than that and think beyond. So these moments, why they are, why there is this sort of again excitement but a little bit of fear at the same time is because one is safe is safe this brings us money it's continuous everyone you know we have a waiting list for things and we could just keep doing that forever and at the same time there's also like okay if we go beyond that if we try to think what are people going to say you know what are because we want to create something really really beyond the dance world so there's a lot of sort of what people think uh, you should be inside the dance industry. But I think the biggest present that we have is that we have each other. And we are both like, you know, if the vision calls us, calls us to be like we need to be, that's what we came here to be. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we have discovered the most and that has allowed us to all the time, like feel the fear and do it anyway, is this, this thrive for not what we're going to get, but who we become, who we become as we fulfill our vision. And that's always what, you know, the, the biggest, the biggest um, gift that you get, like what's the person that you become as you make these decisions. So if I understood that right for both of you, and that's something that I'm really interested in because it's, it's the everyday bread and butter of many people you feel those fears and then you take into action. So far, I fully agree and I, and I know how to do it. What I don't know how to do it is to avoid the feeling of anxiety before I'm going to create something just to see if my audience is going to be disappointed or the responsibility of involving a team and feeling once again, I'm going to use the word answers because it's very current nowadays of, am I going to be able to pay them? So if I understood that right, those feelings, those sensations, you overgrow them all together. It's something that you don't encounter anymore in your day to day. And if you do, for people who are listening us, what is the tools that you have to make them not affect you? and therefore not to paralyze you. Because I agree, fear, anxiety, vulnerability, you make the action. But for many people, it's like actually an obstacle that paralyzes them or us. I'm going to include myself in many, many situations. What are the tools that you do or practices that doesn't allow 
that to paralyze you. So first of all, do you experience this these feelings of anxiety, uh, responsibility, disappoint, possible disappointment, or confrontation? And if you do, how do you overcome them? I I don't personally feel anxiety and and, and disappointment all these things, but I do feel a bit of fear in being able to receive the full scope of the work that we came here to create. So, and this, I'm going to say something after that might help uh, you and the people who are listening to us. And it's that I'm, I'm not so scared about the, um, the things that we see, but it's more about this vision, this vision has an energy. This vision is not just something that us here, like two humans, you know, try to make it happen. This vision has an energy and has chosen us and it has planted the seed, the seed in us. And for us, every time when I sit down in meditation and, you know, and I pray and I connect and I always ask, like, how can I most fulfill this vision? And that's the shift. When you think that, you know, you're by yourself and you're alone and you have all this external world that you need to sort of make yourself through. And this is just a very difficult place to be. And we have been there. Trust me, we have been there when we arrived to a theater and we it just feels like the whole world is against us. And poor artists were here trying to create this beautiful work of art. And, oh, just this. Oh, these people that we encountered to just make it slower. And no, we want it like that. And, and that was us before, like many years ago. That's more than five years ago. But that's what we encountering. And then it was like, okay, let's change that. Because this outside, outside reality, it is a VR experience. Everything we have, you know, learn and work. And it is a VR experience. And it is about what we, what we are inside, what we feel inside, every single thing. Why that happens, I just ask myself, like, how does that resonate inside of me right now? And so the shift that we made is that instead of thinking that there's all these things that I need to take care of, it's like the universe is taking care of them. And this is such a big shift, a big trust, that that's why we were studying every day to, to find that trust. And even if you feel the fear, it's just keep putting one step on top, like one step in front of the other and trusting and trusting and waking up in the morning and doing that connection. So, you know, you're not walking alone. You are, you are embodying that vision. That was the big shift for us. I think also when we're, when we're talking about this, um, these feelings of anxiety or these feelings of worry or doubt, they kind of end up on a spectrum more or less. They end up being relative to the past or the future. So you're comparing something to what was before or you're anticipating what sort of response is going to be happening in the future. Now, one, one thing that we do with our company um, with our companies across several uh, facets is that when we're together, we will do gratitude. Gratitude brings us into the present moment. It allows us to feel into what we're actually grateful for and allows us to dissolve that motion of thought, which is in that direction of worry, doubt, anxiety, depression. It can go into more extreme elements. But again, 
it hones in on a place. And when we practice gratitude, we usually do it with our eyes closed. Even if we're on a Zoom call, we will we will all just intuitively close our eyes now and we'll go around in a circle or passing from one person to another. We also do this in our programs as well. So anyone that's engaging in, in humanhood will have this element of applying gratitude. And I think that's that's really brought us to a level playing field. By that, I mean that there's we almost finished the day on this very calm, neutral term. So no matter what's gone on throughout the day, no matter where the energy is coming from or where it's leading to, there is this moment where we can hone in and we can settle ourselves into the moment and we can also share and that's something that i feel is almost one of the most powerful elements of gratitude that yes gratitude brings you into the present moment yes gratitude allows you to to feel into this co-creation of energy of things manifested that you've already had in your thought in the in the first place but actually by sharing with other people they understand where you are and you understand where they are it brings everything to much more humane level and that's not to use a pun that's literally how it is i mean we get to understand each other from a deeper level and if you were to translate it in any level any language you would feel that you've got a greater connection with that person that's sharing gratitude with you and another practice that may help that we did that with our team is that um i remember when we wrote the application for funding for infinite and we wrote that we were going to do a project with the bbc and that's what we wanted and that's what we put it on uh, because when we write applications, we write our vision. We write what we want, even if it feels impossible. We write what we want. <laughs> At least it's written in paper. It's like, hey, universe, here, <laughs> here is the you know the proof that we believed. <laughs> and um, and then after after a while, right, the our sense will came back to us and say, well. E e yes to the funding but you a condition that you prove that you have a contract with the bbc now our producer was like ah <laughs> and so what we did and this is a beautiful practice to do and it works because it's not about putting your figures under the rock you know and and sort of do like they don't exist because that's not healthy either but it's actually speaking them out loud sharing them and then dissolving them letting them just go into the universe and trust that they will be taken care of and then who you need to become what is the new beliefs what is the the transcendent from those fears so we write all those things in the paper which one was like we're not going to make the contract with the bbc in time and then we burn that we you know the three of us we were there with the producer we saw it it was burning and then we say okay what do we want to believe you know that the contract with the BBC comes, that things get to be easy, that you know, every everyone, we find all the dancers, that's another story that we can tell after. We find all the dancers that we want for the piece and all this. Well, the thing is that it was beautifully how BBC came about. It came at the perfect time through one of the big partners that also came out of nowhere and the Commonwealth in Birmingham. And, and it just came to be. And now we have this beautiful, our first ever dance film that's actually, um, broadcasting the BBC iPlayer for the UK. Yes, we will add uh, all those links in the program notes with uh, some literature that you were talking before and those links, uh, it's beautiful work. So I hope that everyone can see it. And uh, thank you for sharing with us some of those 
practical tools, uh, that toolkit of how to deal with these difficult times. And I'm going to go a bit deeper into your practice, because it's a little bit what I'm really curious about it. So helping, facilitating those transformations, uh, I've heard that is one of your passions. But you also mentioned that that energy chose you, uh, you both. And I want to believe that the energy you are talking about does not point at individual people as the chosen ones. So I am of the opinion that the inner power that you're talking about, the self-transformative willpower, the manifestation of desired futures can be harnessed and utilized by everyone. That, that's my opinion. And now it's coming to me that that idea of the windsurf as a metaphor. Uh, the wind, as the energy that you were mentioned, is there to be used and everyone can use it and therefore anyone can channel it to, to ride the wave and, and flow. So first of all, I would like to go into your practice. Uh, this is a toolkit question. Can you share with us with as much detail as you would like to, to go, as you would be able to, as you would feel comfortable, about your individual practice. Okay, um, for, for instance, we wake up at five o'clock in the morning, we study for two hours, we watch YouTube videos or TED Talks or scientific papers. And then we have breakfast, but we only like wild strawberries coming from this part of the world. <laughs> I don't know. So it would be great if you can share as many details uh, of your practices. And then the second question, because you mentioned that sharing and facilitating those transformations is one of your passions. Can you tell us a little bit what a, a day uh, with you in a workshop, in a mentoring session looks like, or, or a timeline progression, a period of time? How do you share with other people how to tap into that power of the invisible to generate those visions and also to, to be chosen by for that energy i guess um so sh should i start and then yeah, go into because you have a beautiful practice also so um we started in a very routine like way so we did have like one year where we were waking up at 5 a.m and we were studying and all this. And I think this is beautiful to prove to yourself that you know you can give yourself a command, you can make a decision and you can actually follow through. So you actually trust more in your own word. It's a, a whole year, 365 days a year, or you took weekends off and, and bank holidays off, or it's 365 days or 11 months or 13 months, or it doesn't matter. Maybe some days we woke up at seven, but mainly it was every day at five. Like if it was seven, it was like, oh, the alarm didn't thing. It was like, even like Christmas or as, yeah, weekends also. It was like, no, every day is, you know, every day is a day. <laughs> so yeah, it was quite full on. It was quite full on, I have to say. Um, and so what happened is that now, now we said, it's like, ritual over routine so what happened with routine is that you sort of get into this habit and then it becomes automatic and then that's it you just you know we're creatures of habit so it becomes like just something that you keep automatically doing every day and it's a routine and it loses the spirit the creativity ritual is something that you know you, you invocate you invocate this this spirit you invocate this consciousness you invocate this life 
and you say, okay, like, how do I feel like now I can tap into that power within me? And this is what we do now. So I would wake up and I would do like just, just breath. I know what brings me into the zone. So I will just do some movement and breath. Sometimes I do some shaking. Some, and I will finish always like sitting down and, and, and meditating. Sometimes I do a guided meditation. Sometimes I just put music because, and, and I know that I have achieved that when I just, I'm crying basically. <laughs> you know, when I'm crying out of like just pure love and gratitude and appreciation, I know I have reached that moment and then I know I'm ready for the day. Um, and I'll, I'll try always to bring myself at that point. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's almost like a, I kind of see it um, almost like a double helix is the way that Julia and myself are experiencing it. So we started the same and then there's this, this moment where we kind of diverge and then we come back and we share the practices that we've actually been uh, delving into over a period of time that we're feeling the effects of. And I personally have, um, or I have, I do, I, I practice meditation in the morning. Um, 20 minutes every morning and then in the evenings depending on how I feel I would do a meditation I'm usually guided in the night now again Julia said it great you know in the beginning it's just that proof to yourself that you can actually um, focus on something and actually execute it through to the end if you're going to give yourself a command and you can follow it and it's a great testament just to realizing how powerful the mind is especially when you're doing you know, you're, you're reaching the, the few hundreds mark of doing the same thing every single day. And the, the repetition is something that really, um, really grasped us at the beginning. We could understand. I mean, it was something tangible, right? You had to keep repeating a pirouette or keep practicing a certain movement within a technique class until you felt like you could do it to a certain ability. That resonated with us. So it was something that we could very easily um, link ourselves into and ride that energy because we'd already been practicing it so many ballet classes over four years of training, you know, and then even more when you're doing it professionally. But then what really interestingly happened for me is that I realized that it wasn't necessarily something that I had to do every single day. It was something I had to be more aware of every single moment. Now that's almost impossible, yet I kind of understand that. But receiving feedback. So when we're talking about this element of uh, going within this sort of practices we were doing of meditating or studying or getting to know ourselves more, the way our mind functions and so on and so forth, the world, the matrix actually becomes that interactive part of that experience. So then for me, what it and how it is right now is I'm realizing more and more that the matrix is the feedback that I can actually use in response for me developing and growing, being more aware of this conscious, conscious change which is actually happening. So those first few steps I'm super aware of. I'm aware of how my pelvis feels. I'm aware of how my spine is. I'm aware of how my physical body is. I'm almost aware of how I've slept throughout the night in the horizontal position. And my body becomes more of the feedback loop. And so then when I am, also I have um, a Tai Chi and Qigong teacher, I'm practicing both um, Qigong and Tai Chi. But uh, that's been several years now, four or five years where it's like one session a week and maybe there was a period where it wasn't so intense, but now I'm back into that flow. 
And this is just a place where I can hone in on that energetic element of my physicality and any sort of energy that's flowing to and through me. I, it's not so much fixed anymore to that um, practice because the practice then becomes the habit, but then you use you lose that ritualistic element. And the other thing I wanted to draw it back to, which might be a little bit more relatable for, for the listeners in on this, is if any of you are aware of traveling to another country that you've never been to before, and you just find that there's just synchronicities happening left, right, and center. You, you end up meeting someone that tells you about some event that's going on, that you go to, that you meet your friends that you haven't seen for in like five years, or whatever it may, ha- whatever it may be. Now that is an energy and that is a feeling it doesn't necessarily, the only thing that's happening is in the matrix, it's giving you the feedback. So I'm aware of this energy, but we can have this in any moment. Just because we're in the city that we live in or the town that we live in, doesn't mean we have to lose that element of honing in on our intuition and being really curious for any sort of spontaneity which happens in the moment. I would like to um, to acknowledge uh, that I love the differentiation that you've made between a ritual and a routine and a habit, because that's something that we we misused uh, in daily language. I have the ritual of having a coffee, but actually it's not the ritual unless it has that meaning. And that's very important. That's something that we've uh, kind of like lost somehow in Occident of having that transformations, which is those rituals those uh, rituals uh, anthropologically speaking are those actions in order to embody a transformation that end up happening those rite of passages and etc that i will go back to that about your own rite of passages in the future but before we go into that i want to clarify this as well because just for you to know who is the audience who is right now in front of you we will have different listeners but i come from a from a sports science so i i attach myself to a very materialistic approach to consciousness and the body materialistic meaning uh, soft tissues and joints and neural connections and receptors working so in that way i would like you to tell me kind of like the mechanics of a journey with humanhood company with julia and rudy for people to harness that possibility of waking the inside and making it outside. Um, everything that you've been talking, I'm, I'm not going to even dare to repeat. But just to give you an example, I can understand and I, I can also transfer to tomorrow, to this evening, okay, the gratitude practice which is something that I love. There's a lot of uh, scientific papers at the moment of what is the neurophysiology and the effects of uh, gratitude practice. So can you tell me about these mechanics, these practices that someone who embarks in a journey with you will experience for them to harness what you call that energy that we will talk about that energy later on as well? Yes. You know, if, if you believe or anyone who is listening believed that we have magic powers and that just by me touching their forehead, all their life will change. If they would believe that, it would it would be so. It would be so. It would change. And so what happens sometimes is that what we do, especially with the I Transform program, which is the, the one that we guide people through this journey, it is about shifting their belief to such an extent that they can be the receivers of what they want. And the first thing that we do, the first step is uh, we call it inner change. 
and it's to understand first that you can change. If you don't believe you can change, then you're not going to change. First, we need to plant the seed within you that you are worthy of change, that the ideal person that you have in your mind is in you, existing in you. And so if you don't change, nothing will change outside, but you need to believe that you can change. I, I fully agree, and I'm quite familiar because of what I have been uh, exposed to um, NLP or any kind of mindset work or erasing those limiting beliefs. Uh, and I've been exposed to different practices. What is your practice to emerge that mindset that everything is possible, that that inner power can be harnessed? I think there's, there's always two ways you, you, that you can refer to this um, when when you're speaking with us because it, it's so much embedded in our physical practice as well and our physical expression. So when it comes through, there's there's always going to be a way that we refer to this expression of energy or this, uh, you're talking about the mechanics. I can always refer to it from a physical point of view, but it's always got to understand that when we're, when we're, when we're um, embracing it and we're sharing it, it's always going to come from these two points of reference that to, you can put your body in a particular physical place and you can do a particular f physical repetition, but it's, it's never going to be as enhancing if you only focus on the physicality. We know that even in science and the development of science, the thought comes in. The observer is there and that's a great part of the experience that you're having as an overall. So it's kind of fusing these two. I think there's when I'm thinking from the physicality and you say this also because you're talking about sport and I do have a real fascination for um, certain sports and just as I witness and I observe um, either live or through online YouTube um, what people are doing with their physical bodies I'm trying to tune into what makes these particular athletes or these particular people um, very appealing or from from just observing them or their sort of following to their their performance rate, how they're getting the stats, why they're performing higher than other people, for so on and so forth. And if I was to bring it down to anything mechanical, um, I would simply say another point of reference. That's it, another point of reference. So if you want to talk about sports specifically, we know that the top sports men and women around the world are investing hundreds and thousands if not millions with inside of their own personal development and their own growth and for them to better themselves in their own field of, of play now the things that they do are not doing the thing that they do professionally so basketball players won't necessarily just do the drills they'll do mind games, they'll do hand-eye coordination. They would, I mean, Kobe Bryant is a great example that he was also studying meditation and he was also delving into mindfulness. That There were other elements that were increasing the abilities of sports that were beyond just the practice and the drilling of the particular exercises. So what's great is that what we do is that when we're in the studio, we will focus on the spine a lot. We'll open up the spine. Spine's very beautiful. It's also got that element of Kundalini. We can, it's got that evolutionary element that we can see from mammals in the in the water to birds flying in the sky. There's there's like the fractal element of it. It just shows that the spine is quite a marvel of creation. So we're finding this flow, this ebb, this waving motion in the spine. And when we feel that that moment, that 
place within inside of our body is open and accessible to go in any one direction, then the interesting thing is that you open it up to the individual's expression of that movement. So it doesn't go any further in the sense of like, okay, do this drill or do this technique or, you know, try, I did this crazy one where I was isolating, I, I, yeah. I was isolating each vertebrae of my spine, which is a practice in, in Tai Chi. So you, you, you know, you can do all of these things to heighten your awareness, but ultimately it's about feeling into your own unique expression of it. And I think that's what makes, um, that's what makes mechanics so interesting is that you get to a point where you can reproduce but the human mind's always going to want to look more. It's always going to want to, it's just going to want to perform that little bit better. It's just want to shave off that another second or hit that extra point or perform for that extra duration of time. So I think even, even with inside the mechanics of finding a new point of reference, it's always going to be to the development of discovering something new or achieving higher or getting greater performance. That that's what I was going towards. So thank you very much because uh, I was trying to imagine, okay, of how it might be one section of your uh, classes or your sessions. And I can imagine one of you leading uh, an exercise that involves moving my spine vertebra by vertebra, which little by little I will find my own ways of moving and little by little just start incorporating thoughts, imagery, and powerful words for them, people to connect. So that was, that's the concreteness that I was going through. Did I imagine correctly? Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. And a lot of things that we said, uh, the, the most important thing that we say to people is that to feel like they're receiving the movement. Because when you feel like you're doing the movement, that's when you feel alone, you against the world. <laughs> but when you feel like you are receiving the movement, you feel like just being guided, you know, like sometimes like even creating a piece, I connect to that energy and I say, move me, move me to create it, move me to create it. And the most amazing thing for people to learn is that it's not about hearing what we say and, and believe it and, and that's it. It's actually to put it in practice so they see the feedback from the VR reality, from the external reality, the matrix that we called it, you know, to see the feedback from the matrix and say, oh, I created that. And then next time when you go again to create it, you, you, you create it with more power, more intention, more security, more determination. And I'm now really curious, would you care, would you mind to tell us another exercise, another section of the class, where that journey, how, just briefly, because otherwise we could stay here for weeks, that that's what your workshops are, weeks and, and, and months and years, but just for uh, a little um, taster of what that journey, how that journey continues and where it ends, if it does end. Yeah. I mean, it never really ends because as really say, right, the, the, it's not only that the mind wants more, it's that this universe is expanding. The awareness, you never lose awareness. You can never lose awareness. And for us, the difference is that you can know something rationally with your mind. You can know as a concept, you can know love as a concept, but until you haven't experienced that in your body, you don't truly know it. You can talk about it but you don't truly know it. And the most important, you don't truly trust it because we don't trust something that we cannot feel. 
And so the the biggest the biggest transformation that people go through in like say I transform program and that we've seen is that it is about the person that they become. So we guide them through a journey to discover the seed that was planted inside and to give them a space where they can allow that seed to grow. So, okay, what do you want to create? Now, who is the person that's living that reality? Because truly like the, the quantum, right? The quantum uh, field says that everything exists right here, right now. All possibilities exist right here, right now. And so it's only about which which vibration are you tapping into? Which means which state of being are you broadcasting? Are you expressing? So state of being is what you think, what you feel and what you act. If you if you let the outside control your thoughts, so there's not enough money, how much money is in your bank account for your projects? How, the people that you, that you that come and that you, you don't feel they're the right people for the project, whatever. Um, whatever you leave, you don't like it. If you allow that to control your thoughts, wow, we are a victim of reality and we just live mediocre lives. And, I, you know, we were just started to go around and see people just complaining. I said, I just don't want to be one like them. That was really powerful from Julia talking about the, the mindset. And I want us to draw this into the physicality of how this also applies as well. So when we're going through the through our sessions from a movement point of view, we come again, as Julia was talking about, to concepts. Now, we can understand concepts, but until we experience them, we don't truly understand them. They're just mind games that we're playing in our head. So what we will do is that we'll focus on the concepts of the motion, the universal motions, motions of spirals, curves, arcs, spheres, or motion within the universe. So there's no straight lines. It's kind of a human invention. And if you were to look at it close enough, it probably wouldn't be straight anyway, because the atoms will be all over the place. So when we're thinking about this concept of movement, what we do is we invite people, and this specifically comes into that individual expression. What we do is we invite the concepts, people to think of the concept of these, this motion, this flow, upon the planes of the physical body so we will start with inside of the physical body and you will go okay the shape of all organs and bones and cells are round or curved or arced or spiraling that exist with inside of the body so you place the mind with inside of the body and you feel into what movement naturally becomes expressed from just planting the seed of an idea then from that place with inside of you and you can try this as well if anyone's doing it, just like pause, feel that, and then go on to this next one. The next one is to feel the form with inside of the body. So when you're discovering and then you're finding yourself moving, then you can feel into how your body's creating that form. How the body's creating the form, not you creating the form. Listening and observing with the body when the body has this curved shape to it and then you realize with inside of your own physicality more and more that these cosmological elements this cosmological flow this uh, expression of nature is also present in the way that you're moving then you can lever up to the third one where you can actually draw those curves arcs, spirals in space and so then you become immersed in this concept of movement you become immersed in this galactic movement this this nebula 
type essence which is already present in the body and you know you can put it in your mind you can go okay so the earth is rotating on its axis slightly tilted it's spinning around okay cool i get that that idea and then the the sun's moving in space and time okay yes the the earth is going with with the sun okay the the earth is going like on a 60 degree angle like into space and then outer space as it's rotating around the sun the sun's going around the cosmos there's something attracting towards the center you know there's chaos theory there's so many other elements we can add on top but what it allows for the mind to just let go of all the other ideas and that's what julie was talking about in the mindset you're planting a new idea with inside of yourself and allowing yourself to be inspired and moved from that place mm -hmm. so specifically in the movement orientation there's not one and the other again it's those two elements that come together but specifically in the movement element we will then invite people to feel into that energy feel into that motion so all that's happening here right is just order and movement going on in the universe i love that idea of allowing the movement to exist through you uh, something that, uh, once again, Josh Oida, Deborah Hay, or Grotowski talked a lot. Uh, they are artists who emphasize the idea of the performer as a channel. But I would like to jump onto something that it seems completely different. However, it, it also seems fundamental about how you command, how you take forward your careers. You both mentioned a few times the concept of money and how that is a medium to create a balance in your life and allow you to do what you need to do. Money in the dance world is a very sensitive matter, almost a taboo. And we are used to this scarcity, you know, that we are almost bring by default a blueprint of pure survival. However, for the research I have done about your work, how you manage your company, or at least how publicly you express that you manage your company. Uh, and also about the language that you used. It reminds me a lot to these North American New Age business models based on consultancy and coaching. Some of the models that come to mind are Key Person of Interest by Daniel Priestley or Clients on Demand by Russ Rufino or consulting accelerator.com by Sam Owens. Does any of them ring a bell to you? Are you following any of those models? Did you find any other method that helped you to come out of that blueprint of scarcity and monetize your work? I also would like to know more about the ecology of product. Uh, for some of us, it's difficult to put a price to what we do, but it seems you guys have figured out a whole spectrum of services and products that spam from free online resources, uh, completely at zero charge, to 99,000 pounds, if I read correctly. So I would like to know, first of all, how did you learn to monetize your work and how did you came out of being able to devise that ecology of product and pricing them? Yes, one of the... Um... One of the realization that we had is that at the beginning, we sort of wanted to grow out of the dance industry, um, especially as we, we sort of invested a lot of our resources and money and time into the personal development and the coaching industry, which the prices are completely different, um, by the way. <laughs> so... And then we and then we thought to ourselves, well, we don't want to go out of the dance industry. We came here as dancers. 
why don't we expand the dance industry and what is possible within the dance industry? And the first thing that we had to change was not the dance industry, was to change ourselves. And so are we the person that are we going to invest that kind of money in ourselves? Well, we had to become that person that invest that kind of money in ourselves before we could put that offer out into the world, right? And so we started to be, be the person that is not just a dancer asking for a higher pay <laughs> or a better, you know, a, a better, um, a better economic Conditions system. Just, and... Yeah. So exactly. did you follow any of those that I mentioned or Tim Ferriss no, or Tony we... Robbins? No, we started more with Bob Proctor that just died recently. So Bob Proctor, Kathleen, Ka Kathleen Cameron, um, she was working with him. And then uh, I hired her as a coach. And now she's part of our board of directors in our own company. Um, so it, these are people who made big jumps and like what, what is possible? Wow, what is possible, you know, from earning thousands to earning millions and really opening our mind to, to what is possible. And the truth is that, you know, there's money everywhere. It's not that there's more money here than there is in Africa or there is in South America. There's money everywhere. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter your skin color. It doesn't matter if you're a man or woman. It doesn't matter if you live in Africa or you live in Asia. It doesn't matter in which industry you are. The only thing that matters is who you are, who you are as a person. What do you think? What do you feel? And how do you act as? So... What we wanted to be is to become those examples. And by investing our time, our money, and sometimes we're scary. Why? Because we're coming from this world. We'll be coming from this scarcity mindset, right? We're coming from that. It's like, oof, there's not enough around. Wow, change that thought. There's plenty around. There's so much food in the supermarket that they need to throw it away while there's people dying of hunger in Africa. How is that possible? You know, what, what is the thoughts that we're putting out into the universe? There's so much money. The dance industry, the entertainment industry move billions worldwide. And so why dancers are not getting that? Is it because there's, you know, the universe hasn't decided to bring, give us money? No, we just haven't really had the, the, the consciousness to open ourselves to these riches. So if we start seeing ourselves in a different way and start taking scary decisions, you know, the first time I invested more than uh, one, two, three, four, five, six figures, you know, in, in myself, I was scared. You know, I, I was scared. It's like, I never did that before. And also what I invest in myself, like it's not a product that I can touch and say, look, I invested in this. <laughs> You know, I invested in a career, then I have a diploma, even if no one really looks at the diploma because everyone is looking at actually my skill set and my gifts as a performer. But it's investing in yourself. You, you know, things will come and go, but yourself, you will always be there. You will always grow in awareness. And so we had, when we started um, be that person, and share those experiences with, with our friends and people. They start people coming to us and ask, you know, now I have one-on-one -on -one clients that are paying what I used to pay. And there are people who also start working with Bob Proctor or um, uh, other, other uh, Tony Robbins as well, and uh, Jody Spencer and all these things. And they want to bring the body 
into the transformation. So we have came here to become something beyond than the dance world. We are literally, our legacy is the dance world. Like we are made of the dance world and we hold a specific love for the dance world, but nothing is going to stop us to make this dance world as rich as it is. And I fully agree. In order to develop your consciousness, you have to have a quality of life that allows you to do that and to be able to uh, keep educating yourself and, and, and living in abundance. So it's something that I agree and it's something that I think we need to change in the dance world as well, that mindset of scarcity. So I'm really happy that, that you guys found that way. And the last question probably is like, how did you come across, across Bob Proctor? Because it was from a lot of research and a lot of fear and a lot of going through difficult times that I came across people like uh, Daniel Presley or yeah, Tim Ferriss or Tony Robbins, etc., etc. How, how did you come across? Because it's not normal to talk about these people in the dance industry. No, yes. But as, as everything in our life, it just came to us. So this is another conversation. I mean, we can talk about... Um, something else and how we apply invitations, how we receive, you know, we, we magnetize invitations. But um, there is, we went to Ecuador and we had this beautiful experience with plant medicines. And one of the person who was there say, you should check Bob, Pro Bob Proctor. And so we checked it and we had this call with Juan and she said, you want to enroll for a full year and it's that much. And we were, Yes, <laughs> you know, we felt the fear and we did it anyway. And then that's that's the journey, how it started. That's how everything started. And that's how our uh, work started. And then we just expanded out into other other people. And now we sort of dive into our own, like um, soon finishing writing a book. So I'll, I'll be sharing all these practices and how to connect that with the, with the body uh, for the world. Oh, fantastic. Well, looking forward to have that tangible uh, document for us to explore deeper. I have a lot that I haven't covered, so we should have another chat at some point soon. Uh, I wanted to talk about Rudy's shamanic practice and what's your take in cultural appropriation, uh, writing copy for the internet, how we present ourselves online and, and in words that is also a big thing in the dance industry, the language that we use. I wanted to know more about your teamwork, the relationships that you have with your dancers and the rest of your team, producers, dramaturg. But for now, I think we got a fair idea of what's your point of departure and what your values and ethos are. So definitely should be a second part of this podcast to delve into those other areas. For now, we have a lot of food for thoughts and of course, uh, practicing gratitude I thank you both for your time and my most sincere wish that your work help to expand consciousness in whatever way you do it. The more people we are doing similar work, even if that work does not look similar at all, the more approaches, I guess, the more people we can serve and the better will be for it, the rest of the world and hopefully we are contributing from different perspectives in different ways to the next step of human evolution. And your approach is definitely very different than that of our previous guest, uh, Hofes, or our next guest, uh, Tom Afian English. But as our audiences, the, the people we serve, 
has different sensitivities to different languages and different approaches. Therefore, I'm sure your work will touch people that I will not be able to reach because of the language they understand is more mystical. Uh, it's, it's from another angle that the one I can offer or Hofes or Tom or any other people. So for that, I already thank you, knowing that there will be people in the world that will benefit from your approach. And for that, I am grateful to you. Amazing. Great. Thank, thank you, you so, so much for creating a platform like this one that actually can spread the message and, and transform those who listen and who tune into. Super powerful, Jorge. Wishing you all the very best and really looking forward to see what's coming next from you. Lots of love. Thank you. <laughs> yes, same. Bye-bye. <laughs> for those of you who might not know me, my name is Bridget and I'm the Assistant Director of Towards Avencia. And this is the part of the podcast known as Towards Avencia to Take Away. I'm going to take you through a brief summary of the episode that you just heard, as well as offer you an exercise at the end of the episode that takes all of the juicy bits of this episode and offers you a tangible way to integrate them into your lives to help you train your consciousness and to train presence. This was a mega deep episode. Um, they spoke a lot about how their practice, both in the studio and outside of the studio, is all about making the invisible visible. So taking inner visions that um, are linked with consciousness and bringing them out into the outside world, whether that's specifically in the studio when they're creating movement or whether it's also in terms of how they live their lives. So um, having a vision for their lives, channeling that vision through themselves and making it a reality, um, changing the way that they show up in the world and how they interact with the world and not allowing themselves to become victims of their reality. This is all extremely, extremely powerful stuff. Um, it really is fantastic to see. Something I will mention though, that I think is really, really important, particularly with a conversation such as this, is that it's so, so easy for when we're talking about consciousness and altered states of consciousness and changing reality and, and connecting with something much bigger than us, something that is, it's, we can't necessarily put words to, whether that's a higher power, whether that's the universe, whether that's um, the laws of nature, laws of attraction, who knows? I'm not one to say that there's specifically one way to view things out there. We all have different spiritual backgrounds, religious backgrounds, and each and every one of those is a valid way of experiencing the world and, and seeing where we are. The tricky thing about all of this is that it's so easy, I think, for us to get really caught up in how special it is how if you just do this, you'll be able to access everything. Um, I mean, I remember even with my own experience with religion and um, even my initial work with Towards Avencia, it can feel so much like this stuff is so, so intangible. Um, I mean, I remember reading the Eckhart Tolle's The Power of Now, and I remember getting really, really cross at the book 
because I felt that he was just saying that you just need to look at your thought and say that it's bad and then that is how you reach enlightenment. <laughs> and that's oversimplifying it, of course, and to anyone out there who loves this book, I mean, no disrespect in any way. But I found myself getting really cross because I was like, that makes perfect sense to me, what you're saying. But it's the how. How do I get there? What do I have to do? I have a lot of perceptions about my life that are really, really not helpful. But I can't just will them away with my consciousness. I can't just do that. It seems impossible. Or, and I got a little bit angry <laughs> for someone telling me that I just needed to do it because it felt so inaccessible to me. Our goal here at Towards Avencia is to strip back the inaccessibility of training consciousness and accessing consciousness and training presence and making it something that everyone has access to. Because we do. We absolutely do. I, I can't speak for all of you listening, but I have a hunch that each of you have had an experience in your life where you have felt what it meant to be present. You have felt that you are part of something much bigger than yourself and you are acting within the universe, a higher power, whatever you want to call it. You're channeling this energy that Rudy and Julia were speaking about and you've felt it. Even if you couldn't necessarily put the words to it, you didn't know how you got there in the first place. I'm, I guarantee you've probably experienced that. I'd be willing to bet money on it, actually. So our goal is to demystify that process and make it not something that is only available to a certain few people. And it's something that is quite accessible and is quite easy to access and is not hidden behind, you know, uh, spiritual texts or um, actions that don't make a lot of sense unless you're, quote, enlightened, end quote. You know, these are things that everybody can do. And I actually think we can use Julia and Rudy as a really good example of this. You know, the fact that they spent a year waking up at five o'clock in the morning and studying and they do daily meditation practice and um, all of these other practices that they're integrating into their training programs and just for themselves personally, um, the work with the spine, uh, qigong, tai chi, all of those practices that they have. Those are really tangible ways that they've been able to access what they've been trying to achieve, which is this channeling of energy into changing reality. Now, something else that's really important to acknowledge is from an outsider's perspective, I would say that both of them have a whole lot of drive, they're very curious, and they're also very, very confident. And this may not be their reality, just saying, but it's from what I can observe, I think there's definitely an element of that, that those inherent skills that they have within them helped them train this trust in the universe to be able to channel the universe into their creative practices and into their everyday lives. You know, those skills of confidence and curiosity and drive, 
of course, they probably felt that at some instances they did have to train those skills, whether that was making sure that they stuck with the commitment of waking up at 5 a.m. every morning um, or, you know, being brave to try uh, a new plant medicine on, on their travels, you know. So they're skills that they did have to train, but at the core of it, they were already skills that they had inside that served them developing the skill of trust in the universe to achieve what they wanted to achieve. Now, I'm sure all of you out there listening probably have a skill that you really wish that you had. You wish you were more confident. You wish you were better at networking. You wish that um, you didn't get so anxious all the time. The great news is, is you already have stuff inside of you that can help you to achieve those things. And good news is, is the exercise for this episode is exactly geared towards this. So buckle up. Here comes the Towards Avencia takeaway exercise for this episode. For this exercise, I'd like you to think of a goal that you want to achieve. It can be big, it could be small, it doesn't matter. It's just something that you really, really, really want to accomplish in life. Secondly, I'd like you to think about the skills that you need in order to achieve this goal. Or maybe they're skills that you wish that you had in order to do this goal. And if you had the skills, you might have achieved this goal already. So, for example, this could be a skill that's directly related to the goal itself. So, for example, if you want to win a grant from the Arts Council, you need the skill to be able to write the grant application. Or these skills might be more mindset related. You need the bravery to put yourself out there and face the possibility of rejection uh, from the Arts Council. Or you need a calm mind in the face of the stress that comes from applying for the arts, uh, for applying for a grant from the Arts Council. So write all of these skills down just so that you have a record of them. The next step is to identify the skills that you already have that could help you train the skills that you need in order to achieve your goal. So if you need the skill of writing a grant application, do you already know how to write? Great. Do you already know how to plan? Look ahead into the future, figure out all of the nuts and bolts that need to be put in place. Great. Are you good at networking with your community and being able to find support to help bolster your application and make it look stronger? Great! If it's a skill that's more mindset related, what skills do you have that you apply when you need to feel brave? What skills do you have that when you need to calm your mind, do you already have? Do you know that you can commit to having a cup of tea and a little bit of meditation? Do you have the focus to be able to commit to those practices? Do you already try brave things and you're not even aware of it? Like you like to go try new things. 
um, at a new restaurant or try new activities that you've never done before around new people. Try to identify the skills that you already have and things that you're already doing that when you think about it, if you apply them to the skills that you want, you might actually be able to develop those skills that you want. Once you have all of that written down, commit to training the skills that you already have for at least once a day for the next 30 days or so. Commit to writing for five minutes a day. Commit to planning things out for your piece or organizing something else in your life, like a cleaning rota for your housemates or um, if you have kids, maybe planning out their lunches for the next week or so. If you want to practice being brave, commit to trying a new activity at least once a day. Commit to being in a new space at least once a day. If you're trying to train to have a calmer mind, commit to having that tea. Commit to meditating. Commit to allowing your focus to do the job towards calming your mind. After you've done all of this, after you've trained once a day for at least 30 days, take these newfound skills that you've been training towards, put them towards your goal, and see where you get. I know you have it in you. Every single person has the ability to access consciousness and presence. And not only that, but train it towards creating a better life for themselves. I know you can do it. I believe in you. As always, if there's anything you want to share with your process of training or thoughts on this episode, send us a message, post something on social media, and add the hashtag towards Avencia in conversations with. It's been a pleasure chatting with you and see you next time. 